You're listening to Smart Businesses Do This, where I am joined by the one and only John Asaraf from Neurogym, who you may recognize from an incredible book and movie, The Secret. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Adam, it's my absolute joy. Great to see you again. So good to see you. So um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you uh, over over a few years now, and it always shocks me as to how many people don't truly understand exactly what you do. And the reason I'm saying that is because I was one of them. <laughs> I, I had a belief that visualization and creating vision boards and, and imagining things could in no way manifest in reality. I, I, I was a total skeptic. And you have such a wonderful way of helping people truly understand what, what I would say is the practical um, realization of how this works. If you wouldn't mind, for every listener here, would, it, would you please explain how visualization works and why it's so powerful? Sure. And yes, and I understand, you know, why most people don't understand it. First and foremost, we're not really taught that much about it. But if we, if we get into my area of passion is behavioral neuroscience, and like, why do I do what I do? But why don't I do the things I know I should be doing or could be doing? You have to go back to, you know, and I always have my proverbial plastic brain with me. Um, this $100 billion organism that we all have is the most powerful biocomputer in the known universe. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. Well, how many lessons in grade school, kindergarten, high school, university do most people take about how do I use my brain better? Yeah, I don't think there's one, right? <laughs> yeah, there's not one. And so part of the issue when we get into whether it's visualization or meditation or affirmations or declarations or mental contrasting or framing and reframing, most people are like, yeah, I've heard of those things, but I have no idea what it really is and why it may or may not work. And so when we understand a little bit about the mechanisms by which the circuits and networks work in the brain, then we start to understand that, okay, if I visualize, let's say, uh, building my business, uh, overcoming a trauma from the past, overcoming a fear that I have that's holding me hostage, if I visualize it, I'm actually activating a specific circuit in my brain and a network in my brain that causes certain electrical and chemical activity. And that chemical and electrical activity, in most cases, will drive my behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm looking to be a high-performing individual, then the question becomes is, can I use my brain better? Can I tee up my brain to make it easier for it to actually help me? So what we know about your question, for example, is how does visualization work? 
Well, visualization is a simulation. So the question is simulating what? Well, if I simulate the behavior that I want to take, if I simulate you know, a result that I want, then in the simulation, I'm going to have feelings, right? Well, our feelings either dictate what we move forward towards or what we retreat and move away from. So we know that certain circuits are required to be activated in order to move forward and take action. Um, we know that we want to activate, you know, dopamine, uh, the neurochemical of anticipation uh, and reward uh, and curiosity. We know that we want to activate serotonin, the, the neurochemicals that causes us to feel good. We know we want to activate, in some cases, oxytocin, the bonding um, and love neurochemical. Um, but we also know that if I want to take action on something, but maybe I don't have the training, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the skill, um, then a part of my brain that's going to activate and visualize in advance a negative consequence is going to release the neurochemicals of maybe adrenaline or cortisol or epinephrine, which we tend to want to move away from. Those are called the stress hormones. So when we visualize, not only are we activating certain neuronal patterns, but we are, um, we are releasing neurochemicals associated with what it is that we want to achieve versus the brain's propensity to focus on the negative and what we don't want. So, so in, in many ways, it's kind of like, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like if you have a dream, it's not actually happening to you but your body is going through the chemical reactions while you can wake up in stress or you can wake right. up, um, you know, with, exactly with all right. the emotions as if it happened. Yeah. And you're, you're proposing that people can, can trigger that through visualization. Is that correct? Yeah. So when we do visualization as a simulation, why does an athlete, maybe an archer or a bobsledder or even a basketball player close their eyes and see themselves tossing the ball or pulling back and releasing the arrow or going down the groove, go left, go right. Why is it extreme skiers or snowboarders? You know, they look at the mountain, they look at the lines and they see themselves. They might do a helicopter tour. Why? Because they're building a map in their brain of the terrain. And the terrain that we become familiar with is easier to navigate through than the terrain that we're not familiar with. So we're building a map, okay, of the reality we want. Now, the way our brain works is anything that we repeat becomes permanent. So repetition creates permanent patterns. Permanent patterns activate perm or, or activate automatic thoughts and emotions and behaviors. So the question now becomes with visualization is if I can visualize the outcome one time, five times, 10 times, 50 times, now I'm creating the grooves in, in my brain, the neural patterns, the software, so to speak, that makes it easier to fire those neurons because the neurons that first fire together and wire together activate and sequence together with little to no effort. So it's a practice run of the thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and results that we want. Mm -hmm. So when we 
you know, want to achieve that next level of success or two or three beyond, if we start to see ourselves there, if we start to see ourselves overcoming the obstacles that we know we're going to have, if we start to see ourselves, you know, um, uh, maybe having an internal mental fight, you know, because I'm have a limiting belief that I'm not good enough or smart enough or worthy enough or too young or too old, or I'm not skilled enough or the market's bad. We can actually catch in the practice, the disempowering thoughts or emotions, or even the behaviors that want to pull it back. So it is a simulation um, of the success, but also what may come up during, okay, the process. Um, and it's better to do it during the practice. So I, there's this great video on YouTube of uh, it's it's a young, I uh, so she's a parallel bars gymnast, and she's attempting to make this leap over and over again, and she fails. And then she sits down on the mat. It's a, it's from a documentary, and she stares at it for a while, and then suddenly her next attempt is an absolute success. Now, um, is that because she's imagining and removing the negative belief, or or is there something else going on, or is it like a combination? Yeah. So um, every time we attempt and fail, our brain actually learns. Okay. It's called the error detection mechanism. So you try it once, you fail, you learn. You try it another time, you fail, you learn. You try it another time, you fail, you learn. 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 50 times. You sit back, your brain processes all the successes, all the failures, all the little adjustments. You get back on. Now there's a whole new brain causing the body to do what it didn't do during the 25 failures. I love this. So right? um, I've got a I've got an interesting one, John Fian. Just I'd love to to pick your brain on it, um, just because this could be unique. About four years ago, I had a minor stroke, and um, it was due to. Uh, pushing myself a little bit too hard with work. And I made sure that I addressed that afterwards. And now I have a very good work-life balance. In doing so, I lost the ability to speak for about 24 hours. Mm -hmm. When when the speech came back, everything was wired wrong. So it was fascinating that they would ask me, um, you know, to, to look at a, a board and pinpoint um, what something was. And I remember seeing a hammock and I called it a hangman. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing a, a, a like a leaf from a tree. Uh, no, sorry. I saw a feather and I called it a bird leaf. Yeah. So I had these like weird associations. So just, you know, if you have an explanation for what, what was going on what, and you know, how does that work? So it was a couple of things. Um, if you think about birth, okay. When the baby is born, uh, a baby doesn't, can't even see when a baby is born, right? Lights coming through their eyes, but they don't know that this is a pen. They don't know that this is a money clip. They don't know anything. So our brain creates uh, images. The images with the sounds and maybe the tactile touching of stuff creates associations. And so then, you know, if you close your eyes and I gave you, if you close your eyes, I gave you these and, and you did this, even without ever opening your eyes to see what it is. So these are glasses. Why? Because you're firing neurons or cells of recognition in the brain. Uh -huh. Think of your brain as, as a circuit board, you know, that's been created while you're alive. You came with certain pieces of the circuit board intact, your autonomic nervous system, but the rest of the connections, okay, are, are neural circuits, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have a stroke and part of the circuit is stamped out, 
there may be part of the circuit between the visual cortex, the audio cortex, the memory bank, and the associations that were just stamped out. So you kind of have to relearn. There was trauma to the circuit board. So for some people, it comes back online and they go, yeah, I know that's a leaf and that's a feather and that's a pen and that's this. For other person, I had a, part, a business partner who had a stroke um, like six, seven years ago, he's still paralyzed the right side of his body. Um, he cannot speak at all other than like three words, but he, who I believe he was, is no longer there because the entire circuit board or part of the circuit board was just stamped out. So depending on the severity of the stroke, it may create paralysis, it may create memory loss, uh, short-term, long-term, permanent or not. But here is the most amazing thing. It's based on the science of neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. So because our brain has got three major networks and a bunch of different circuits, we can actually get the brain to rewire itself using different parts of the brain. And so you happen to be one of the lucky ones, okay, that the trauma was temporary versus permanent. Yeah. Uh, and then if you can get onto, okay, let, let, let's start doing some brain training again, whether it's, you know, day-to-day -day brain training, just being alive uh, or practicing, you can get better. And that's what happens. That's, that's crazy. I really appreciate it. Cause I, I remember I wanted to ask you that the last time we hung out. I was like, oh, this is a great time to do it. So obviously the, the podcast is all about what smart businesses do. And for me, you know, you can't have a smart business if you don't have a trained brain. Um, so obviously NeuroGym is, is the perfect thing for that. But how exactly does NeuroGym help business owners make sure. better decisions or, or grow their business? So many of you see maybe, you know, in the back is one of my best-selling books called Inner Size. And uh, inner size are mental and emotional techniques like visualization, like affirmations, like mental contrasting um, to create new neural patterns that are empowering and positive. So if you think about what do you really need to be a successful business owner? Well, you need to have a, a great mindset. Well, what is mindset? Well, um, are your beliefs your mindset? Yes. Are your attitudes your mindset? Yes. Is emotional regulation part of your mindset? Is your ability to um, handle stress uh, part of your mindset as an entrepreneur? Um, do you need to have the right habits that produce the results that you want? Of course. So the first part of what we do with all business owners is we really work on the inner game, specifically their subconscious conditioning and programming around awareness, beliefs, emotional regulations, behaviors, habits, et cetera. The second part that you have to have as a business owner is what are the skills required and the strategies required to achieve the level of success that I want to achieve? So earlier I mentioned I always have props on my desk. If you want to build a $500,000 a year company, you might just need the skills for this. But if you want to build a billion dollar company, <laughs> you might need the skills for this and this will just get you so far. And that is a much, how many sides is that Rubik's Cube? Have? Oh my God, it's like, uh, I don't know, sides. like 12 or whatever the case yeah. is. So, so the point is for 
each level of success you want to reach, you have to have the mindset for that level. You have to have the skill set for that level. And you certainly have to have the behaviors for that level. So you can't be just sitting, dreaming and visualizing solving this. You know, if you've just dreamt and solved this, you say, how do I bridge the gap? So what we do at, you know, my NeuroGym is my company. It's NeuroGym, but our website's my NeuroGym, is we work on all three layers is the mindset, the skill set, and the action set. And where this really hits home for a lot of people is this, and this is why I do the brain research stuff, is if it's true that we're all creatures of And almost everybody filled in that blank with habit. My question for you is this. If I am habituated to, you know, solving this, there's a whole new skill set and habits to solve this. How do I become habituated to solve this? Now we're entering the domain uh, of the um, ventral tegmental area of the brain or the striatum, which is where our habits are locked and loaded and run 95 to 98% of our day-to-day behaviors. Mm-hmm. So even though here's where I'm at and here's my vision, my goal, I'm visualizing this every day, right? Unless I create the new habits to build this, I'm stuck with this. So what we do is reverse engineer. What are the patterns, since everything in our brain is based on patterns repeating themselves and patterns reinforcing themselves, constructive, destructive, positive, negative, empowering, disempowering, brain doesn't care, okay? Brain doesn't have like a moral compass of what it is that it does. It's software on an operating system, just runs the software. So if I need a new set of habits to line up with what it is that I'm visualizing, most business owners never consider that they need to create a new pattern called habits and thought habits, emotional habits, and behavioral habits. And so where, you know, where we come in and what my body of work has been for over 40 years is how do I line up the combination to the safe? You know, so, you know, 32, 18, 24, (laughs) unlock. So then it opens, right? And what it unlocks for this, it's not the same for that. So we have to get into the domain of habits. And very, very few people like to get into the domain of habits because it takes energy and requires change. And change is something that we are not biologically wired for. So, you know, actually, I love that phrase. I always find that, the hardest part about helping a business grow is because, you know, I've consulted for over 1900 companies in the last three years. And in doing so, I found that the the single hardest part is when the business owner won't implement. So uh, I've got an example of a, a young lady that I've been helping over the last couple of weeks, and she definitely has an opportunity to make an extra, you know, half a million a year, maybe more, um, and she's already, you know, only doing about 800,000 a year. So she's quite a small business. An extra half a million is a, is a significant impact. Um, but she hasn't implemented any of the action steps that our data analyzed and said that she should implement. And it will take less than two hours to implement this. I mean, this isn't even something complicated. So clearly it's a mindset or, or some kind of mental block 
um, what, where, do you, where would you believe that is and what would the solution be? Great question. So let me just ask you a question. And then I'm going to ask everybody here, okay, me included. Um, do you know of something that you could be doing right now, either for your business, your health, or your relationship? You, you know what you could do right now to make it better. It's a tough one for me because I tend to do the thing which is why I'm really bad at motivating other people because okay. I don't understand it. I'm like, yeah. oh, if, if I know the thing, I'm going to do it. But I, I do know this this stops people. Yeah. yeah, so so the question is, how is it that we could know what we need to do? Mm-hmm. We know why we need to do it. We may even know how to do it. Why do we have this gap between knowing and wanting and Etc. and actually yeah. doing. And the answer is because the problem is not in the intention. The intention is part of our default mode network and what we can imagine needs to be done. But when we have a part of our brain that's responsible for behavior and another part of our brain that's responsible for imagination, those two parts of our brain actually don't work and activate the circuits at the same time. So when we're dealing with new behaviors, for any type of change to really happen, first and foremost, let's say there's three things or five things this woman can do or anybody that's listening or watching can do. I'm going to ask you for what is the smallest denomination of that behavior that you are willing and will do today. So I'm gonna go from want to do, can do, should do, to what are you committed to doing today just to get going. We have to reduce the cognitive load of the three or four or five or six or eight or 10 things to the simple one thing first. So think about, it's easy for you and I to be you and I, because we have a habit of being you and I. And that would be like you and I being cars that are parked. Mm-hmm. And the best way to get your you know, yourself going is, is turn on the engine, put into drive, and don't even put your foot on the gas. Yeah. Just allow the car to start. As soon as the car starts, then we can go left a little bit or right a little bit faster or slower. But we have to reduce it to get in the car, Turn on the ignition. Got Step it. So one. it's not about drive to the destination. It's just so it's like a, a micro commitment, as it were. We have to go to micro commitments because as soon as we think of the three steps or 10 steps or 12 steps or all the things that we have to do, we have a cognitive overload and our brain is consistently measuring, okay, do I do what's easy and convenient and familiar or do I do what's going to require energy, glucose specifically, and your brain and my brain, every brain, okay, the number three priority of every brain, and some people say it's number one, is conservation of glucose. Thinking requires glucose. Behaving requires glucose. Let me share um, a a slightly different story with you that will put this into perspective. Just before the story, I just want to confirm, is uh, is this why I'm addicted to chocolate? Well, that's sugar. 
addicted to the that, sugar, which is it manifest as glucose in my brain. I'm just curious. The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> so you're getting, but sugar is more addictive than cocaine. So you're addicted to sugar. And so your brain has gotten used to now getting sugar from, you know, simple sugars. Um, um, and so you become addicted to that. And uh, okay. um, yeah, um, but many, many years ago, my mother who passed um, a couple of years ago was manic depressed. And she would sit for two, three years and not want to do anything other than sit in her chair, watch TV and eat with her caregiver. And I used to go back and forth to Montreal uh, where she was. And um, this one day, you know, she was starting to deteriorate more and more and more. And I said, hey, mom, um, do me a favor. Uh, since you're not, you know, doing any exercise, you know, can, can you just move your arms up and down a couple of times? She's like, no, I don't want to. I said, come on, mom, I'm here from San Diego. I'm here to see you. Just put your arms up and down. Said, no, I don't want to. Leave me alone. I said, what about just one arm? No. I said, what about just lifting your arm up? One? No. I said, okay. Do you love me? She goes, yes, of course I love you. I said, do me one favor, okay? Since you're left-handed, take your left finger and just, can you just do this little thing? like that, just two times, fine. She did this little thing, one, two. I said, oh, thank you so much, mom. Gave her a kiss. I said, now listen, the other four fingers are lonely. Can you just do it with this other finger? She looked at me like, you know, in a, in like I'm in a, I don't want to do this, but she did the next finger. Then she did the next one, the next one, the next one. I'm, I'm shortening the story of how long it took me to get her. Just <laughs> on her left hand. I said, mom, your right hand, you can't do the left hand without the right hand. Just do this finger, then this finger. Then this finger and this finger. We did that on day one. Day two, we did it again. Day three, I got her hand up. Day four, I got the other hand up. Day five, left leg, left day. Day six, the right leg. Uh, by the time I left the week after, she was getting up and sitting down several times in her chair. Within two weeks, she was back to walking the hall. Within two months, she was downstairs on the bike. Amazing. Amazing. All just this. One, fi one finger. Boom, boom. That's where we started. Reduce the cognitive load to the impossible not to do. So it's so easy to read oh, books. I got books. I got podcasts. I got, I, got, I got stuff and I read. Oh, my God, it's so good. That's brilliant. You know what? Skip all the fancy stuff and just do the micro stuff to get going. Once you get going, you can pick up speed. So I often say the habit is more important than the intensity at first. Once you have the habit, you build complexity and consistency. Uh, complexity. Um, so we all we want to do is saying, you know what? Um, you want to make an extra $500,000, whatever her name is. Yep. Here's the only thing I need you to do today. Brilliant. All so, you're looking for is a yes. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always blown away every time we meet. And I, I love your insight and your input. So you already explained if people want to learn more about what you do, they can go to myneurogym.com, correct? Yeah, or johnassereff.com, either one. Brilliant. And uh, obviously your book, Inner Size, which actually I'm going to admit I haven't read. So I'm going to grab it. I'm going to read it. Are you uh, are you in San Diego this week and I'm going down this week? Are you going to be there? I will be there. Okay. In that case, I'm going to try and get it, bring it and get you to sign it. That's what I'm going to do. And yep. then um, the last thing, uh, obviously we finish every episode, always ask people, um, what does smart businesses do? So in your words, smart businesses. Listen, I mean, smart businesses look for patterns, right? Like for me, I'm, I'm always looking at like every result that I achieve is based on a pattern, right? So the result is the end 
of a pattern, whether it's a thought pattern, emotional pattern, or a behavioral pattern. Behavioral pattern can be what I do or don't do. So let's, let's understand that if I'm not taking action, that's a pattern. So every smart business owner that at least I work with is looking at the results as an end state to a previous pattern. So I'm looking at like this week, I've got several of my senior team members coming in, you know, from around the country, you know, to look at our nine months of patterns for the year. Yeah. What were our goals? What's working? What's not? Why? How are we adjusting and creating a new pattern? Right. So every smart business that grows is looking for what is the pattern, okay, for the goal that I want to achieve. And I'm going to always look at there's thought patterns, emotional patterns, and behavioral patterns, which then lead to our habitual patterns. So I'm looking to understand patterns. And what's really important, I'll just give people a little tip is uh, if you're going to look at your own patterns, make sure you do it without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. No judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification, just pure awareness. So you can actually use your intelligence and your energy to shift whatever patterns you need to deliberately. So the patterns for 500,000 a year, a million a year, 10 million a year, 20 million a year, 100 million a year, we already know the patterns. So if you want to achieve another level or five or 10 of success, why not learn what the pattern is and then go back to how do I start today? in the shifting of the pattern. I love that. And for everybody that's listening to this, if you've found that your pattern is one of not being successful, if you found yourself that you know, you're know you unlucky and uh, and that things are going wrong, I'm going to challenge you to go and check out John Asaraf, read his book, Inner Size, go to myneurogym.com and see what it's all about because um, you're not unlucky, you're just following an unlucky pattern and it's time yeah. to change it. John, thank you once again so much for, for helping us here on the podcast. You're amazing. Thanks, and uh, I look forward to hanging out with you in San Diego. Text me when you get to town. Love to I see will, you. I will. Right, thank buddy. you. Cheers, John. Thanks. Bye. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.